Welcome to Red State Talk Radio. You're listening to Tori Says for the next hour. I'll be your host, Tori. We'll be discussing news, foreign and domestic, unfiltered news. Real news. Welcome, everyone, to the Tory Says Show. I'm your host, Tori. Today is July 2nd, 2019, and it is uh, just uh, 48 hours away from one of the biggest July 4th celebrations possibly ever held in Washington, D.C., which I am very, very upset that I am unable to go. I even booked myself a very nice room at the Trump International, and I had it at a cheap price, and it seems like everyone that's going already has plans. I was like, hey, want my reservations? Uh, So I am very, very upset that I'm not going, Um, but, you know, there's always a reason, right? I have to believe that there is some method to God's, um, you know, obstacle put in that way. I am just devastated myself. Uh, so 4th of July is around the corner. It's a pretty big deal because it is a holiday that lately has been branded as racist and um, full of bigotry. Nike had so nicely put that nice flag of Betsy Johnson on their sneakers and Colin Kaepernick protested against that. And so they are removing the flag. That means citizens of the United States, citizens that are proud to be part of this great nation, this great nation that is constantly under attack by all other foreign nations for what we stand for. Not what we're actually doing, because it seems as though every couple decades we get a president that wants to do things, that wants to revert back to what the whole point of that, you know, declaration was back in 1776. And, you know, this fourth unelected branch of government decides for us. They've taken out assassinated every single president that has dared to step forward and try to implement this. And this time in 2019, they're finding it very difficult, not because they can't do it, but because we have access to information. And if anything of that nature was ever to repeat itself from not JFK only, we're talking Robert Kennedy, who was a New York senator who was winning in the elections afterwards, he was taken out because they knew he would win. These cabal members need to know that the United States of America, the majority of the United States of America, the citizens of the United States of America do not wish to be part of a universal government. They do not wish to accommodate other nations. They do not wish to be the referee of the world. The only way that we can deter war, that we can deter 
violence is by building up our military, by strengthening our forces, and by showcasing that we do have the means not only to defend ourselves, but others if necessary and if mandated. That is how you win. You don't win by accommodation. You don't win by stupid treaties and agreements and paying money. You don't win by supposedly checking stockpiles of nuclear, um, <laughs> of uranium and nuclear missiles. No. Just like every other nation, the United States, just like every other nation, right, has the right to defend themselves. One thing that is important is this START treaty that uh, Vladimir Putin spoke about. A treaty that says that worldwide we will refuse to have nuclear weapons, but it seems that everybody wants to keep some, uh, you know, on the side. And it's not so much of blowing up each other. It's about how we use it outside of this planet. See, humans are curious creatures, aren't they? Very curious. So volatile and yet so mm, hive-like. You would think with free will and our ability to think on our own and to decide on our own, we would be free of such hive mentality. But I guess those that have been weakened by training, those that have been weakened by being subjugated and trained to be weakened, I might say, that have been educated or brought up in such a way to allow their thoughts to be malleable, to not have conviction on their morals. Those are the ones that have the hive mentality. And thank goodness it's the, the minority. Thank goodness. Because I have no idea how the rhetoric that I see going through our feeds is even standing. We have CNN and all these clowns, including Elizabeth Warren, who is a candidate for president, pandering to the nation, claiming that we are racist against Kamala Harris. First of all, Kamala Harris is as African-American as Elizabeth Warren is Native American. Kamala Harris is Indian. She is not black. Kamala Harris slept her way to the top. She did not earn it. Probably like that Rachel Danzel, you know, the one, the white ginger haired girl that tanned a lot and dyed her hair. That was what the NWACP chapter president in Washington. You remember her who was pretending she was black? Yeah, kind of the same thing applies here. We've got Vogue magazine putting out an issue of all women candidates that are running for president uh, on the Democrat ticket, but they excluded Williamson. Okay, Williamson is weird. She looks like she smokes a couple joints too many and that she's recruiting for a love cult and probably would make it mandatory in the United States to do yoga. But regardless, she's on that list. Why didn't they invite her? This is just another indicator of how the left fixes the elections the, the way they want to. We have people thinking that, you know, Amy Klobacher or uh, Gillibrand or, or any of them have any chance of competing with our president. They can't. Because the things that President Trump says, the things that President Trump does are very similar to the most bipartisan and loved president. Now, keep in mind, President Reagan reigned as president only for a few months. 
After that, it was Bush 41 who actually was the acting president. Bush 41 that ran the show on the Iran-Contra, that ran the show on the MENA thing. President Reagan was simply there and did as much as he could because they treated him just like they do President Trump, though President Reagan did not have the cojones and the experience in shark tanks with vultures that President Trump has. Hence, the little movements that he made that changed not the nation, but the world. And I've said this before, our president, this movement, this MAGA movement is not just here. It is a ripple effect across the world. We are creating allies where we were told allies do not exist. We are uh, finding out that those that are supposed to be our allies are indeed our enemies. And they're not the enemies of the nation per se, but what we stand for. That's the important key here to remember. It's not the nation per se, not you or I individually, but the ideology of the United States of America, but what the United States of America stands for that we are celebrating in two days. The reason the United States of America was created was to what? Flee religious prosecution. Flee what? Socialism. That is why they left. They created the casties. They had people in certain spots and you couldn't move. This is exactly what they're doing. And what they're doing and how they're doing it is very genius. They are amplifying minorities, minority groups that identify as groups, right? They amplify it as a humanitarian issue. They amplify it. They are literally standing for those that are not American as opposed to those that are. I mean, Beto was in Mexico campaigning. Uh, hello, you're running for president in the United States. Kim Jong-un and President Trump sitting in North Korea discussing, having a conversation, spoke more English than we saw on the Democratic debates. This is where the issue is. This is where the problem is. Mm. So today I thought... We could revisit what our presidents from the days of yore had said, how they warned us, and how what we're seeing today is no different than what has happened in the past. History always proves your present and obviously your future. Now, a lot of you know that I'm into predictive uh, analytics I am super infatuated with predictive analytics on all parts. Now, here is a portion of Ronald Reagan's exit speech. Exit speech. That sounds similar to what President Trump's inauguration speech was. Not so much on the completion, but so much on what we need to do. Take a listen. He yelled, hello, American sailor. Hello, freedom man. A small moment with a big meaning. A moment the sailor who wrote it in a letter couldn't get out of his mind. And when I saw it, neither could I. Because that's what it has to, it was to be an American in the 1980s. We stood again for freedom. I know we always have, but in the past few years, the world again and in a way we ourselves rediscovered it. It's been quite a journey this decade 
and we held together through some stormy seas. And at the end, together, we're reaching our destination. The fact is, from Grenada to the Washington and Moscow summits, from the recession of 81 to 82, to the expansion that began in late 82 and continues to this day, we've made a difference. The way I see it, there were two great triumphs, two things that I'm proudest of. One is the economic recovery in which the people of America created and filled 19 million new jobs. The other is the recovery of our morale. America is respected again in the world and looked to for leadership. Something that happened to me a few years ago. Let me just stop it right there. Can we just see how President Trump has done exactly what he said that he was proud of doing over eight years, obviously with roadblocks, creating jobs, fulfilling the economy and being respected again. What is the difference between the presidencies that we have seen from Reagan uh, when Reagan left because Reagan was a pseudo make America great again type presidency because he didn't really have control because Bush 41 was a three term president. Okay, so let's we loved him. He really tried, but he wasn't a businessman. He was an actor. He was exactly what the United States of America at that time needed. And they made sure to have him on a short leash, truth be said. And he tried as much as he could to influence those, those that surround you are those that dictate. Remember, what is the mainstream media complaining about? That President Trump's meeting with North Korea was defying his, you know, cabinet, his direction that is being given by the Pentagon and so on and so on. Take a listen to what Ronald Reagan really liked. I actually like this part. Listen to this. I'll reflect some of this. It was back in 1981, and I was attending my first big economic summit which was held that year in Canada. The meeting place rotates among the member countries. The opening meeting was a formal dinner for the heads of government of the seven industrialized nations. Ironic. Didn't we have a G7 summit that President Trump attended first time in Canada? I'm just saying. Well, I sat there like the new kid in school and listened. And it was all Francois this and Helmut that. They dropped titles and spoke to one another on a first name basis. But at one point, I sort of leaned in and said, my name's Ron. But in that same year, we began the actions we felt would ignite an economic comeback, cut taxes and regulation, started to cut spending, and soon the recovery began. Two years later, another economic summit with pretty much the same cast. At the big opening meeting, we all got together, and all of a sudden, just for a moment, I saw that everyone was just sitting there looking at me. And then one of them broke the silence. Tell us about the American miracle, he said. Well, back in 1980, when I was running for president, it was all so different. Some pundits said our programs would result in catastrophe. Our views on foreign affairs would cause war. Our plans for the economy would cause inflation to soar and bring about economic collapse. I even remember one highly respected economist saying back in 1982, that the engines of economic growth have shut down here and they're likely to stay that way for years to come. Sounds like Paul Krugman, right? So what President Reagan is saying on his exit speech here is very 
familiar, isn't it? It's exactly what we've kind of um, seen through the first two and a half years and somewhat of President Trump. We see the same thing how at the summits now, people look to him to talk to him. They want to talk to him because he's got a magic wand and they want to know what he's doing and why he's doing it. The difference between Ronald Reagan and Donald Trump as individuals was their experience swimming with sharks. That's the only difference they had. And President Donald J. Trump, obviously, very qualified to conduct business, very qualified to stand solid as he's been doing for years, very qualified because he knows how to come back from the brink of bankruptcy. He came back to multi-billionaire. This scrappiness is what was required to bring this notion of making America great again. And like Ronald Reagan said, it's not that we were never a country of freedom in the past decades. It's that we lost our way and we needed to reignite it. This is exactly what the Trump movement is. This is exactly what we're seeing in the United States. This is exactly what 1776 stood for and what we need to continue. And unfortunately, and I will play another I will resurrect another president a president so well loved a president taken away from us so early who said the same thing of the mainstream media that President Trump is saying now because you know what I've told you this before they want you to forget they will censor everything to make you forget but I'm here to remind you take a listen to what else President Reagan has to say Well, he and the other opinion leaders were wrong. The fact is, what they called radical was really right. What they called dangerous was just desperately needed. And in all of that time, I won a nickname, the Great Communicator. But I never thought it was my style or the words I used that made a difference. It was the content. I wasn't a great communicator, but I communicated great things. And they didn't spring full bloom from my brow. They came from the heart of a great nation, from our experience, our wisdom, and our belief in the principles that have guided us for two centuries. They called it the Reagan Revolution. Well, I'll accept that. But for me, it always seemed more like the great rediscovery, a rediscovery of our values and our common sense. Common sense told us that when you put a big tax on something, the people will produce less of it. So we cut the people's tax rates, and the people produced more than ever before. The economy bloomed like a plant that had been cut back and could now grow quicker and stronger. Our economic program brought about the longest peacetime expansion in our history. Real family income up, the poverty rate down, entrepreneurship booming, and an explosion in research and new technology. We're exporting more now than ever because American industry became more competitive. And at the same time, we summoned the national will to knock down protectionist walls abroad instead of erecting them at home. Common sense also told us that to preserve the peace, Well, let's just listen to that. Let me just repeat that. We were too busy, what? Knocking down walls abroad instead of building them at home. Uh, Walls, borders, sovereignty, looking after ourselves. Do you see the repetition? Because this has been said before from the great president before him. 
Who? JFK. And we'll listen to him later. We'd have to become strong again after years of weakness and confusion. So we rebuilt our defenses. And this new year, we toasted the new peacefulness around the globe. Not only have the superpowers actually begun to reduce their stockpiles of nuclear weapons, and hope for even more progress is bright, but the regional conflicts that rack the globe are also beginning to cease. The Persian Gulf is no longer a war zone. The Soviets are leaving Afghanistan. The Vietnamese are preparing to pull out of Cambodia. And an American-mediated accord will soon send 50,000 Cuban troops home from Angola. The lesson of all this was, of course, that because we're a great nation, our challenges seem complex. It will always be this way. But as long as we remember our first principles and believe in ourselves, the future will always be ours. Now, before we go any forward, I just want to say his optimism of what he was doing. So it took him eight years to do all this with the swamp dictating what he's supposed to do. Right. We have President Trump who doesn't have it now. Yesterday, and I'm going to bring this up, yesterday, last night, I was made aware that early in the morning in Russia, there was a lot of talk because on Monday there was an explosion of a submarine. Do you guys remember when I told you about a submarine uh, that was going to find some anchor, you know, because it was like a treasure for this villager and, you know, Putin's military went in there to go find this, you know, hundreds and hundreds of years anchor that broke off an old fishing boat and they saw a submarine that was German that couldn't be detected with radar. Remember? Okay. Well, apparently there's been a fire, a huge fire on a submarine where people lost their lives in Russia. Now, something like this has happened before, but 14 Russians died and they're still investigating to see how this submarine actually caught fire. Now, my sources said that uh, just at 5 p.m. Russian time, uh, there was um, a scheduled, it was a 5 p.m. at Russia, Moscow time meeting that Vladimir Putin was to have, but instead, um, he later in the morning met with his defense partners. Now, that was incredible. Further to that, we saw that the European Council, um, the European Union, uh, was communicating with Russia, uh, you know, to talk about this submarine in Russian waters that caught fire, and um, they were declined access to the Defense Committee meeting with Russia, and now it is breaking that the Vice President of the United States, who was headed to New Hampshire has been called back to the White House for an urgent meeting with the president. Now, there's speculation something's wrong with the president, something happened. I'm telling you, I told you about a hidden German submarine, didn't I? And I'm telling you that the hostile actions of the EU and Turkey to Russia and to the Mediterranean states and to Israel and to Syria and to and 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 we're going to have development. So that is breaking. And I thought that I would just break this in there to let you know the whole story because people will just go on and on and on, um, you know, with 
ideas. Now, I haven't heard anything from the White House yet from my sources there, though at first instance I was told that there's nothing to be concerned about POTUS. So my guess is because these meetings are being held in one now in Israel, two, according to reports, I am thinking something huge is going on may have to do with this, you know, submarine. And remember when I told you about the German submarine that Russia was shocked, could not detect. They literally put their eyes on it, you know, with those little sub robots that they sent down to like find anchor. They literally found eyes on it and said, what is that? How is that sub there? And our sub that released, you know, the little robot thing didn't see it. The Russians were freaking out. They were like, well, hold on a second. This is pretty weird. We can't detect subs that are literally there and on. Crazy, right? So stay tuned because I'm feeling that things have just escalated. And remember, Iran, the deadline is the 7th of July. That's in five days. Their deadline to the European Union for them to send a plane full of cash to uphold the Iran agreement. So whatever comes out, please hold not all your eggs in one basket and wait for the leaders to speak and not the mainstream media because the mainstream media has been many times scolded throughout times. Uh, I have a clip to play for you where JFK literally um, sent out, like had a speech where he was scolding the mainstream media. And that's something I don't think a lot of people know about. Now, uh, considering the rumors that the left is pushing, whoa, why is VP going just for it? President Trump just tweeted out what to expect New Year's annual 4th of July. By the way, my email is Tor at torsays.com. If any of you are going to Washington and want a Trump hotel room, hit me up with an email and I'll send you the details. Um, on that note, I'll see you guys all in just a bit right after this short break. Hello, my fellow patriots. My name is Michael Flynn Jr. and I am the proud son of General Flynn. Your support of the last two years has been incredible and will never be forgotten. If you'd like to continue supporting General Flynn, you can donate to our legal defense fund. Any donation is welcome. To donate, go to www.mikeflynndefensefund.org. Thank you and God bless America. How did you become addicted? A friend? Were you at a party and someone said, hey, try this? Then you got the cold sweats and started shaking. And the more you did it, the more it didn't work. So you switched to the needle. Now you're a train wreck. Drinking, drugging, broke. Your family hates you. And you hate you. Get out of your hell on earth now. Call the Detox and Treatment Helpline today for immediate help. In many cases, your insurance may cover the costs. We can't guarantee it, but we can guarantee we have what you need to change your life for the better. Pick up your cell phone and call right now. 855-700-2978-855-700-2978-855-700-2978. That's 855-700-2978. 
Guaranteed life insurance with no medical exam. Sounds great, right? Even better, your rates will never increase and benefits will never decrease. If you're a U.S. citizen between 50 and 80, you can get life insurance guaranteed. It's not guaranteed in every state, and you may not qualify for every policy, but when you call, you'll speak with a licensed insurance company. They'll give you all the details about guaranteed life insurance. So call now, 1-800-707-1219, 1-800-707-1219. Hey, this is Leonora Cravota from Red State Talk Radio for My Pillow. I used to have trouble sleeping. My Pillow changed all that. I now fall asleep within moments of my head touching my pillow. That's how comfortable My Pillow is with its patented interlocking fill. My Pillow stays cool and does not go flat. Plus, it's machine washable and dryable. My Pillow has a 10-year warranty and a 60-day comfort guarantee. My Pillow is also the official pillow of the National Sleep Foundation, and it's made right here in the USA. My Pillow is now offering Red State Talk Radio listeners a four-pack special with two premium standard or queen pillows and two go-anywhere pillows. That's four pillows for the price of one. To take advantage of this special offer, call 1-800-961-9194 and ask for promo code REDSTATE. That's one 800 961-9194 promo code red state put sleepless nights behind you with my pillow the most comfortable pillow you will ever own for the best night's sleep in the whole wide world visit mypillow.com Welcome back to the Tori Says Show. I'm your host, Tori. So continuing on with resurrecting presidents to tell us uh, what they did or what is going on, this history lesson, this reminder of what has happened and is still happening. And it seems that it comes every de- every few decades, right? We had JFK, then we had Reagan, now we have President Trump. It's every now and then that we get re-inspired and remind ourselves what being an American citizen is. Let's just listen to just a, another minute of what he has to say so you can see that this greatly loved predis- president, President Reagan, who both sides praise, praise why? Because he was compliant to the left, but still tried to remain firm for the right. Take a listen. And something else we learned. Once you begin a great movement, there's no telling where it'll end. We meant to change a nation. And instead, we changed a world. Countries across the globe are turning to free markets and free speech and turning away from the ideologies of the past. For them, the great rediscovery of the 1980s has been that, lo and behold, the moral way of government is the practical way of government. Democracy, the profoundly good, is also the profoundly productive. When you've got to the point where you can celebrate the anniversaries of your 39th birthday, you can sit back sometimes, review your life, and see it flowing before you. For me, there was a fork in the river, and it was right in the middle of my life. I never meant to go into politics. It wasn't my intention when I was young. But I was raised to believe you had to pay your way for the blessings bestowed on you. I was happy with my career in the entertainment world, But I ultimately went into politics because I wanted to protect something precious. Ours was the first revolution in the history of mankind that truly reversed the course of government and with three little words, we the people. 
We the people tell the government what to do. It doesn't tell us. We the people are the driver. The government is the car. And we decide where it should go and by what route and how fast. Almost all the world's constitutions are documents in which governments tell the people what their privileges are. Our constitution is a document in which we, the people, tell the government what it is allowed to do. Ah. We, the people, are free. This belief has been the underlying basis for everything I've tried to do these past eight years. But back in the 1960s, when I began, it seemed to me that we'd begun reversing the order of things. That through more and more rules and regulations and confiscatory taxes, the government was taking more of our money, more of our options, and more of our freedom. I went into politics in part to put up my hand and say, stop. I was a citizen politician, and it seemed the right thing for a citizen to do. I think we have stopped a lot of what needed stopping. And I hope we have once again reminded people that man is not free unless government is limited. There's a clear cause and effect here that is as neat and predictable as a law of physics. As government expands, liberty contracts. Oh, wow. Nothing is less free than pure communism. And yet we have the past few years forged a satisfying new closeness with the Soviet Union. I've been asked if this isn't a gamble, and my answer is no, because we're basing our actions not on words, but deeds. The detente of the 1970s was based not on actions, but promises. They'd promised to treat their own people and the people of the world better, but the gulag was still the gulag, and the state was still expansionist, and they still waged proxy wars in Africa, Asia, and Latin America. Well, this time, so far, it's different. President Gorbachev has brought about some internal democratic reforms and begun the withdrawal from Afghanistan. He has also freed prisoners whose names I've given him every time we've met. But life has a way of reminding you of big things through small incidents. Once during the heady days of the Moscow summit, Nancy and I decided to break off from the entourage one afternoon to visit the shops on Arbat Street. That's a little street just off Moscow's main shopping area. Actually has nice Even though our too. visit was a surprise, every Russian there immediately recognized us and called out our names and reached for our hands. Kind of sounds like what's going on with President Trump. It's as if the media says they hate you, they're the enemy. Yet did you guys see the reception South Korea gave him? Did you see the reception that North Korea gave him? Did you see the reception from Kim Jong-un's own, you know, Supreme Leader Secret Service, how they protected our president? Did you see that? Everything he is saying is happening right now. The past always proves the future, and it is like a wavelength. And every peak is a president that's tried. Every trough is a, is, is a regime like Bush 41, the Clintons, Bush 43, and Obama. Look at it. It's like a wavelength going up and down from 1865 all the way up to 2019 today. This is where you have to just remember what history has taught you. The division, right? We have so many issues with division. Division that you would have thought had 
frayed, had passed, had gone, right? Division. Do you remember in 1968, after the assassination of Martin Luther King Jr., who gave the best speech ever and who would have been the next president of the United States? He was running. Robert F. Kennedy, he was a young senator from New York. He was assassinated in uh, his hotel in Los Angeles, little chef. So he was 42 years old. He was, he had already, uh, won in the presidential primaries at that time, like while they were counting because it was June 5th, right? South Dakota and California presidential primaries. That is a very big deal, you know, for, first of all, for a Democrat. And secondly, um, for what he stood for, uh, he was taken out because they all knew that he was going to win. They all knew he was going to take it. Because he was not your average guy. Not your average guy. And again, who was involved in the assassination for this Kennedy too? Yes, the central agency. But let's listen to a portion of one of his most powerful speeches, which is something that should be heard on every single airwave in the United States of America today. Now the division has been sowed over the past 10 years. And not so much just by, you know, the political climate, but the mainstream media. And not only against blacks and whites, but against whatever other minority they decide it is. Soon it'll be pedophiles because apparently that's a disease, not, you know, something that's criminal. Listen to this speech. Martin Luther King dedicated his life to love and to justice between fellow human beings. He died in the cause of that effort. In this difficult day, in this difficult time for the United States, it's perhaps well to ask what kind of a nation we are and what direction we want to move in. For those of you who are black, considering the evidence evidently is that There were white people who were responsible. You can be filled with bitterness and with hatred and a desire for revenge. We can move in that direction as a country in greater polarization. Black people amongst blacks and white amongst whites filled with hatred toward one another. Or we can make an effort, as Martin Luther King did, to understand and to comprehend and replace that violence, that stain of bloodshed that is spread across our land with an effort to understand compassion and love. So, sorry to cut that short. I didn't want to play the whole clip. That was the important part. This is the deciding moments in history when things like this happen. When JFK was assassinated, when Martin Luther King was assassinated, and Martin Luther King was a Republican. And he didn't fight for just blacks people. He fought for everyone. And I wanted to mention something. Did you ever, did you guys ever hear about the lunch counter protest? Do you know what that is? That is where, uh, activists, 
black and white, would fight for the civil rights of every human being because humans are one. They are not different by race and color, uh, just like a cat is a cat. Yes, there's different breeds that have uh, certain idiosyncrasies, you know, certain characteristics that set them apart, but they're still a cat. We are still human. We still have the same heart. We bleed the same. We think the same. We act the same and we love the same. And so here is where we're at lunch counters. Do you know what their movement was? Do you know how those that did not want to give rights to every single man, woman, and child in this nation, how they fought back? Guess what? Milkshakes. And who do we see throwing milkshakes at people? The milkshakes that they would douse. Black, white, yellow, pink, polka dot, purple, Americans protesting for civil rights of all humans. Not talking about sex, just humans. That every human being has the same right in this nation under one flag and under God. What did they use to attack them? Milkshakes. What have we seen happen in Portland? What did they use? Milkshakes. It is the Democrats' way of recycling their tools. I've said this before. The way they control presidents, typical cycle. I've pointed it out from just showing you the contrast and the attempts that they used on Bush 43, who thought he was smarter, yet he was a dunce, who thought he could change the way things were going because his father regretted what he did. They hated the Clinton presidency and what it stood for. They did not want to see that again. And Bush 43 was bold enough to try it. And guess what? He got 9-11 as a lesson. And they put him on a quick leash with what? Special counsels. M.O. Milkshakes. M.O. Abortion. M.O. People need to be paying attention to history so they can see how people corrupt people. Repeat things. You know, when I was being trained to uh, recognize people of their personalities and their, you know, physiognomy, basically, to be able to identify from your face what type of person you may be, what you are inclined from your nose shape to the micro expressions to your body language to your voice, voice tone or cadence. I was trained. But one thing I was taught when I was dealing with a hostile, you know, person that I would question or have to work with or anything is that one thing is for sure. Every criminal, every hostile person, everyone with an agenda that is not of a good nature, but is with malintent to be executed has one thing. They are creatures of habit. They use the same tools because if they were effective, then they should be effective. Now they cannot uh, how would I say, change the warfare? See, irregular warfare is exactly what we, what we underwent through the 2015, 2016 campaign elections for president and in 2018, you know, for the midterm. And we're still undergoing it. And why do we say it's irregular? Because it's something that you wouldn't believe happens. You wouldn't believe it's so weaponized because you can't fathom the idea of how widespread it is. But to be honest with you, secret societies that I talked about yesterday are a reality. They exist. 
They not only exist, but other presidents in the past have told you about them. Other presidents in the past have scolded the media for abiding by what these secret societies do and wish to do. Listen to this president that I'm resurrecting, what he has to say on that. The very word secrecy is repugnant in a free and open society. And we are, as a people, inherently and historically opposed to secret societies, to secret oaths, and to secret proceedings. We decided long ago that the dangers of excessive and unwarranted concealment of pertinent facts far outweighed the dangers which are cited to justify it. Even today, there is little value in opposing the threat of a closed society by imitating its arbitrary restrictions. Even today, there is little value in ensuring the survival of our nation if our traditions do not survive with it. And there is very grave danger that an announced need for increased security will be seized upon by those anxious to expand its meaning to the very limits of official censorship and concealment. That I do not intend to permit to the extent that it's in my control. And no official of my administration, whether his rank is high or low, civilian or military, should interpret my words here tonight as an excuse to censor the news, to stifle dissent, to cover up our mistakes, or to withhold from the press and the public the facts they deserve to know. Now, that was an introduction, just so that you understand the premise of how JFK put this forward. But let's rewind in how I've told you that President Eisenhower had mitigated the central agency with the creation of the NRO and made it clear in his exit speech, these two minutes that will tell you everything you need to know. Listen to the words. Ladies and gentlemen, the President of the United States. Good evening, my fellow Americans. We now stand 10 years past the midpoint of a century that has witnessed four major wars among great nations. Until the latest of our world conflicts, the United States had no armaments industry. American makers of plowshares could, with time and as required, make swords as well. But we can no longer risk emergency improvisation of national defense. We have been compelled to create a permanent armaments industry of vast proportions. And to do this, three and a half million men and women are directly engaged in the defense establishment. Now this conjunction of an immense military establishment and a large arms industry is new in the American experience. The total influence, economic, political, even spiritual, is felt in every city, every state house, every office of the federal government. We recognize the imperative need for this development, yet we must not fail to comprehend its grave implications. Our toil, resources, and livelihood are all involved. So is the very structure of our society. In the councils of government, we must guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence whether sought or unsought, by the military-industrial complex. 
the potential for the disastrous rise of misplaced power exists and will persist. We must never let the weight of this combination endanger our liberties or democratic processes. We should take nothing for granted. Only an alert and knowledgeable citizenry can compel the proper meshing of the huge industrial and military machinery of defense with our peaceful methods and goals, so that security and liberty may prosper together. Kind of sounds like what Reagan said, huh? How he was a citizen politician, misplaced power. Did you hear the point where Eisenhower told you that this military industrial complex is comprised of, you know, intelligence and military, political, and he said spiritual. Listen, spiritual. That is a big deal. I want to go back to that. Just, I need you to listen to those words. Now, this conjunction of an immense military establishment and a large arms industry is new in the American experience. The total influence, economic, political, even spiritual, is felt in every city, every state house, every office of the family. Even spiritual. This is a very telling point. A telling point of a war that is being waged against the people stated by Eisenhower. He stated it to you. He told you about it. He warned you about it. What have you done to mitigate it? The only thing you can do is arm yourself with what? Knowledge. That is the only thing you can do is arm yourself with knowledge. Here's what JFK had to say. But I do ask every publisher, every editor, and every newsman in the nation to re-examine his own standards and to recognize the nature of our country's peril. In time of war, the government and the press have customarily joined in an effort based largely on self-discipline to prevent unauthorized disclosures to the enemy. In times of clear and present danger, the courts have held that even the privileged rights of the First Amendment must yield to the public's need for national security. So here is where he's telling the press You're not doing your job. You are working against us. You are not working with us. You need to reevaluate where your core principles lie. This is JFK. This is before he was assassinated. This is what he was telling the press, that they are the enemy of the people. And what he goes on to say, and I'll play a short clip before we break, because this is the important part of it, is that they are aiding the enemy with the way they are reporting. Now, back in the day, it was leaking information, you know, talking about all these, uh, you know, well, it was more leaks of information. And this is why the central agency got involved. But we did have the NRO as a buffer, hence why we have our United States of America still together and whole for now. Take a listen to what he says. Just the first um, half a minute I'll play. Today, no war has been declared, and however fierce the struggle may be, it may never be declared in the traditional fashion. Our way of life is under attack. Did you hear that? Irregular warfare once again. Irregular warfare is being pointed out by all of the great presidents. Irregular warfare. You don't need to say, I declare war. They've already done it. And we're talking 
from JFK's time. It's not the person, not you or I. It's what we stand for. I say it again. It is what we stand for, for freedom, for liberty, for acceptance, to be the melting pot of the world and succeed, something no other nation has been able to do. One, because every single nation has a deep-seated history, has their own ways. It's not like you can go to Greece and say, well, you know, forget your thousands of years of history and culture, just move forward forward and mesh it, they won't do it. Same with China, same with Arab nations, same with even England. You know, they believe in their monarchies and their ways of life and their fish and chips and their pints at lunch. You know, you're not going to change it. But here we've created our own culture and that culture is freedom and liberty. But why? In 2019, do we have more divisiveness? Because this is irregular warfare. And look at the people pointing out the divisiveness. It is your press. It is the editors, the publishers. Hmm. And you know, to think, after JFK being assassinated, after Robert Kennedy running for president being assassinated, just as he was winning all the primaries, after Reagan, right? What happened? Everyone was banking that John John JFK Jr. was going to run. He didn't. Instead, what did he do? He decided that he was going to be bringing the information to the people. Yes, that is what he did. Citizen journalism. He created this magazine called George. And he also created a book of dirt that had everything. Guys, if I tell you the Loretta Lynch tarmac meeting has happened before, if I tell you that Stormy Daniels is something that we've seen with Kissinger, it's going to blow your mind because I found audio from a uh, show where JFK Jr. broke it down, where they were discussing all those things. Again, like I've said, those that have bad intentions do not act in novel ways. They are creatures of habit and do the same thing over and over again because it worked once. They believe it will work again. The only thing they do is change the amplification and the ability to silence and hide their garbage and hide their nefarious acts, which JFK called out in this speech. So in the second hour, we're going to see how JFK called the mainstream media to the carpet literally call them the enemies of the people without saying they're the enemies of the people. And you can see that it's happening again now. They're sowing division. They're skewing words. And they're attacking our president. And when they attack your president, what are they doing? They're attacking our nation. And by attacking our nation, they undermine us to the world. Like I've said before, Whatever the talking heads say on TV is not for you or I, but it is for the eyes of those around the world. I'll see you all in a bit. Welcome to Red State Talk Radio. You're listening to Tori Says. For the next hour, I'll be your host, Tori. We'll be discussing news, foreign and domestic, 
Unfiltered News. Real News. Welcome, everyone, to the Tory Says Show. Welcome back. So in the second hour, I want to inter- talk about the mainstream media. And we're going to start with JFK talking about the mainstream media. Then we're going to talk about what the mainstream media is doing, how they are manipulating messages that are harming us as a nation. Personally, if I was president, I would be declaring it a concern of national security because like Kennedy said, even though the courts have ruled when we are in open war that the mainstream media not, you know, fuel the war because basically I see it. And I've said this before, the, the garbage that they're spewing, the lies that they are purporting and the way they are spinning narratives are not harming you or I and our thought and our belief in what the United States of America stands for. No way. But what they are doing is they are portraying our nation in a weakened position, our nation in a divided position, our nation as a target. They are literally doing everything to harm us as a nation. Because when you attack our president attack our nation is how it's functioning 24 7 non-stop skewing the good and pushing it as bad skewing the truth showing uh you know concentration camps supposedly pictures from the previous administration and purporting it is now telling us how 50 and 60 year olds are sitting on the concrete why are 50 and 60 year olds coming here how are they going to work At 65, you get on Medicare, so we're going to bring in people that we're going to be paying for their health care, paying for their, you know, social security to live for free, eat for free on our dime when they didn't contribute the first 60 years in our nation. Is that what we're doing? You're going to tell me all those little old ladies that are 60 ran for asylum? Let's be honest. The reason we have social security, which I believe was created and is disgusting. I would have eliminated social security. Like if I was president, that's what I would have done. I would have said enough with the social security. Everybody gets a big fat refund, especially the older you are, you get all your money back that you paid. Boom. Here, take it. Invest it the way you want to do as you wish to it. The government is no longer taking the money and telling you we'll feed you when you're older. Deal with it because that's the way it used to be. That is exactly what I would do. Social security. Hey, you're 75. You've been paying 75 years here. Take all your money back. I've got all your earnings here. Boom. Take it. Oh, you didn't pay for anything. I hope you have kids and they look after you because that's the way it should be. You didn't have kids. You didn't save money. I don't know what you're going to do. Maybe you need to work, you know, like on a kibbutz. Maybe. Until you're really, really old, you can do administrative paperwork for food and housing and medications and health care that the government will pay as welfare to help you because you didn't have children, you didn't invest, you didn't work, you weren't a productive citizen to society, yet you want society to look after you. I know it sounds really, really mean, but it's the truth. I mean, I haven't paid thousands, well, I have enough paid in Social Security, but 
I mean, it's not as good as railroad retirement. Let's be honest. My husband's been on it for five years and that is like exceptionally better than social security. I'm going to tell you that. But anyway, the point is what happened to being responsible for your own self? What happened to not giving the government more power over you? The minute they implemented social security, they destroyed family because they took the burden of the parents off the children. And the minute they did that, they destroyed the unit of family, considering divorce an option. Then they considered, you know, abortion options. Hmm. Because I don't have any problem with gay couples. They can adopt children that people aren't ready to have. Why not? Why not? They love at the same. They, they hurt the same. They work the same. Why can't they raise children? Of course they can. I'm all for it. It's still a family unit, right? In all honesty, still a family unit. And even if there's two gay men that were raising a child and they have parents, rather than the parents, you know, try to struggle with only what the government can provide them, which is $500 a month, the children can look after them. The children can take care of them. Either they be a homosexual couple or a heterosexual couple or a polyamorous, if you want to go that way. The thing is, we should be responsible for ourselves. But all of these things, all of these values that JFK spoke of, these values that make us great, these values that make America, these values of helping your neighbor. Because you know what? When you have a little old neighbor and you see them all alone and their kids visit every now and then and, you know, their garden's out of whack, you're going to go mow it. You see them walking around with groceries, you're going to go visit. And the longer you remain in a neighborhood, the more you know them. This is what community is about. This is what America is about. It is about being a united community, no matter what race or creed you come from. This is not the case. Why? Because the mainstream media makes it not the case. Why? Because the politicians make it. There is no money in peace. This is why they want war. There is no money in unity of a nation. Division creates money because division creates all these NGOs to support minorities. And this is how they make money. Division is a money making machine, just like war, because it's war between people, individual people that doesn't have bloodshed so much, but it has enough rivalry to be able to make a pretty penny off of it. Peace has never made anyone money, but peace has always brought prosperity. So there's a difference between making money and being prosperous. Prosperous is the whole civilization, all of humankind having what they need, being content, being happy, making money is that the few capitalize on the pain of others. That's the way it is. And that is exactly what the mainstream media is purporting. Pain, hatred, division. Hmm. They couldn't even applaud the fact that we've created friendships because, you know, what's funny is, is that our president trusts a man that we've been told is a cold hearted dictator with his life going to North Korea. And there was no hiccup, no issue. His own people, the North Korean secret service guarded him with his life, just as our own secret service agents did. That shows that what we've been told is not true. And again, listening to leaders, let's take a listen to what else JFK had to say to the media. Today, no war has been declared. And however fierce the struggle may be, 
it may never be declared in the traditional fashion. Our way of life is under attack. Those who make themselves our enemy are advancing around the globe. The survival of our friends is in danger. And yet no war has been declared. No borders have been crossed by marching troops. No missiles have been fired. If the press is awaiting a declaration of war, before it imposes the self-discipline of combat conditions, then I can only say that no war ever posed a greater threat to our security. If you are awaiting a finding of clear and present danger, then I can only say that the danger has never been more clear. And before I let it continue, the danger has never been more clear. You do not need to declare war. You know where you need to look? Look at what happened this morning and what is happening right now and how the vice president went back to the White House, how all of these nations now are getting together with their defense councils. What is going on? I could tell you one thing. Communication is being intercepted. Cloudfair. Do you know who Cloudfair is? Let's just take a trip down memory lane. By the way. Clinton controlled. By the way, Clinton funded. By the way, stock options by a lot of Democrats and some rhinos. Cloudfare. Websites are going down everywhere. And it's so funny because the majority of them are related to Q. And we're not just talking about the Chan board. We're talking about other boards that people don't really use that are being used by other people, you know, that are not so popular where discussions ensue. Not only that, Scott Adams sent me a text. Hey, you know, PJ Media, Gateway Pundit, all these conservative sites have gone down all at once. Hmm. Silencing the media. Hmm. Taking out communications. Why? Why? Why are we removing communications? What's going on? And here's the kicker. The same thing has happened in Russia, Europe, and the Middle East. Who's knocking out communications and why? What is going on? Today, no war has been declared. And however fierce the... Apologies, it reset. ...declaration of war, before it imposes the self-discipline of combat conditions, then I can only say that no war ever posed a greater threat to our security. If you are awaiting a finding of clear and present danger, then I can only say that the danger has never been more clear and its presence has never been more imminent. It requires a change in outlook, a change in tactics, a change in missions by the government, by the people, by every businessman or labor leader, and by every newspaper. For we are opposed around the world by a monolithic and ruthless conspiracy for we are opposed around the world by a monolithic and ruthless conspiracy that relies primarily on covet means for expanding its sphere of influence on infiltration. Ha. Huh. To, to expand its sphere of influence. Let's listen to that again, right? Covert means are being used to infiltrate. Listen to this part. The press is awaiting a declaration of war before it imposes the self-discipline of combat conditions, then I can only say that no war ever posed a greater threat to our security. If you are awaiting a finding of clear and present danger, then I can only say that the danger has never been more clear and its presence has never been more imminent. It requires a change in outlook, a change in tactics, a change in missions 
by the government, by the people, by every businessman or labor leader, and by every newspaper. For we are opposed around the world by a monolithic and ruthless conspiracy. For we are opposed around the world by a monolithic and ruthless conspiracy that relies primarily on covet means for expanding its sphere of influence, on infiltration instead of invasion, on subversion instead of elections, on intimidation instead of free choice, on guerrillas by night instead of armies by day. It is a system which has conscripted vast human and material resources into the building of a tightly knit, highly efficient machine that combines military, diplomatic, intelligence, economic, scientific, and political operations. Its preparations are concealed, not published. Its mistakes are buried, not headlined. Its dissenters are silenced, not praised. No expenditure is questioned, no rumor is printed, no secret is revealed. It conducts the Cold War in short, with a wartime discipline no democracy would ever hope or wish to match. Can you guys um, think about this for a second, what he said? It is exactly what we are seeing here today evolve. Not elections, subverting them. Listen. Highly efficient machine that combines military, diplomatic, intelligence, economic, scientific, and political operations. Its preparations are concealed, not published. Its mistakes are buried, not headlined. Sounds like the Mueller report, sounds like the special counsel, sounds like everything under cloak and dagger, these slush funds, right? They conceal every mistake that they've made, every crime they've committed, Uranium One, email scandals, the tanker wars, MENA, we can keep going, intra-contra, installation of the comedy regime, we can keep going, listen. Highly efficient machine that combines military, diplomatic, intelligence. Okay, intelligence. You see that? And here is how they work. Stakes are buried, not headlined. Its dissenters are silenced, not praised. Censorship. No expenditure is questioned. Never. No rumor is printed. Forty million. No secret is revealed. Exactly. It conducts the Cold War in short. This is war against the people, see? No democracy would ever hope or wish to match. Nevertheless, every democracy recognizes the necessary restraints of national security. And the question remains whether those restraints need to be more strictly observed if we are to oppose this kind of attack as well as outright invasion. Huh. And this is his speech to the mainstream media. How come mistakes that the deep state does, that the central agency does, are covered? How come the people that whistleblow are silenced? How come people that are dissenters are silenced and not applauded? Why, 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 why? And this is the media amplifying these things. It is the media covering up these things. It is the media amplifying with the little information that they will give you to skew the truth. This is from JFK. President JFK said it back then. Huh, over 40, 50, 50. 50, almost 60 years ago, guys. 
<laughs> it's incredible. 50 plus years ago, this was stated and it could not be more true in 2019. Eisenhower said the same thing before him. Kennedy said, um, Kennedy said it, Reagan said it, Eisenhower said it, like how many people have to say it before we wake up and we see what is really going on. See, they can't operate the way they used to. Communication is at the tip of our fingers, yet we see things like what happened today with Cloudfare. We see things of censorship that are being allowed. And again, I say it. If we remove the immunity that these social media platforms have, uh, you know, section 230, and we remove it, we're going to pay for it. Because if they are publishers and they choose and they pick, then we are no longer at any right to use that platform because it is theirs and they are publishers and they choose. So by the time we realize that we need to move our platforms and move to Gab, which is the only one that really doesn't censor and other platforms that may be made if we can break up Google because they will destroy those platforms too. They will not sell the apps. They will not do it because they are publishers and they have a choice. See, this is a double-edged sword. So the only thing we can do is advocate for an internet bill of rights. I say it again, internet bill of rights. If you take the right out to punish them and hold them accountable as publishers, it is over. Now, there is no way that they will take the route of saying, okay, we'll just let everyone back on and we won't have these fake terms of service, which is our way of curbing speech. We won't. Uh, you know, they can do that, right? They could do it, but they won't because they want the power. They want you to say, you're a publisher and they'll say, yep, we are. But you're dependent on Facebook. You've been using it for 10 years. You're dependent on Twitter because you've been using it for 10 years. By the time you learn how to use a new platform, if we allow it, since we own Google, since we pretty much own the internet, um, will have succeeded in meddling with these elections. That is the whole point. This is why we need the Internet Bill of Rights. This is why we need to hold all these senators and congresspersons that have Twitter stock and Facebook stock and Google stock accountable. I think, I believe, that one way we can change this is by forcing those that are serving in executive positions, in positions that create legislation, to not be allowed to have portfolios of stock at all. Maybe we can give them some really nice savings account that gives them, you know, a 5% return as a gift, you know, in government bonds, 5% return. They should not be allowed to hold any interests in companies like Visa, like Facebook, like Twitter, and you will see legislation happen because they will not have interests. Most of them get gifted stock in Facebook, gifted stock in Google, gifted stock in Twitter, in Square, etc., etc., etc. This is how you remove the interest. You say, oh, you want to run for Congress? You're in Congress? Hey, day one, you better not have a portfolio. You got to purge that. Oh, you can't hand it over to your kid. You can't. You can't sell your stock or gift it to your child or your wife. No. No. If you are a citizen who is running for office to represent the citizens, you should have no financial interest in any huge lobby. No pharmaceutical stock, no tech stock, no nothing stock. That is your sacrifice because you chose to be a public servant. What happened to sacrificing to be a public servant? I'm thinking President Donald J. Trump is the only one sacrificing. He's not 
president of his company anymore. He's not taking a salary because, you know, he's just taking royalties from his company to be and his kids are looking after him. Yes. So he's actually sacrificing, sacrificing to be chilling in Mar-a-Lago, sipping on Mai Tais while he's taking slings of feces from every which corner of our nation from people that are undereducated, uneducated, and just pretty much hive mentality. They've been trained to be hive persons and the mainstream media. And remember, they're the minority. The only thing this minority group of hate, this minority group of open borders, this minority group promoting socialism and a universal order, the only thing they have, even though they are few and we are many, is a megaphone. They own the media. They own your airways. They own your internet. They own your social media. They own your print media. They own everything. And this is why, and this was foreseen in the 90s by JFK Jr. And that is what he wished to tackle by the creation of George. He wanted to make it more fun, more accessible to attract more people into politics to understand what is going on. So he was in politics without being into politics. And that got him killed, uh, per se, as the story goes. So in the next half hour after this break, I will take you on a trip to understand exactly what JFK Jr. was doing and also give you insight on things he was doing that you probably didn't know about. And why am I going to point this out? Because it's going to be very important in the next coming weeks. We have to look at history. We have to remember because our memories are only, you know, through repetition, like I said yesterday. Repeat, repeat, and you will learn. If you repeat something so often, or if you are bombarded with information so often around you, like from the mainstream media, from social media, print, videos, whatever you want to call it, or even movies, these, you know, hidden uh, social justice warrior messages, these hidden, isn't it great if we were just one planet and we were like totally globalized? Um, those messages, right? All those, they change your Thoughts. How? By eliminating memories. So today, this trip down memory lane is to show you that this has happened before. This has happened before when we didn't have access to the technology we have today. When we didn't have access to the communications we have today. Yet, they fought. And most of them paid for it with their life. And so, just like Reagan said, which I found astonishing, he was a citizen politician. There is no such thing as a politician. You do not go to school and say, I want to be a politician. That's going to be my career. To be a politician, you have to be the voice of the people. To be a politician, you have to sacrifice for the people. You have to be there for the people. And then when the people attack you, you still help the people. Because even myself, advocating for my stupid little city most of them are so dumb and thick they don't see in front of them yet i'm the one contacting the feds i'm the one contacting fema hud the doi all of them holding people accountable even though other people may say you know oh my god this is so stupid this is this i'm still helping why because that is what active citizens do regardless of the pushback that you will get from the brainwashed idiots regardless of the rhetoric that will be chimed in through the fake news mainstream media it is our obligation as citizens because we are shareholders in this company called the United States of America. We own this. We are the people. We the people. Reagan said it. JFK said it. Eisenhower said it. President Trump said it. We the people dictate. 
not the people that have a magazine, a newspaper, a, you know, a television show, a radio show, uh, you know, stocks. They're rich. They're former bankers. They're former lawyers that decide, oh, yeah, I'm just totally going to be senator or congressperson because I'm totally qualified because I know how to make money. So trust me. No, we need the guy in the trailer park with one tooth and a penny in his pocket to sit down and work for us. We need people to sacrifice for us. You know, actually, I think that's a great idea. Maybe we should all gather together and put forward and request our Congress the next Congress that comes in to push forward a bill to disallow any sitting member of Senate and Congress to have any stock portfolio for them or their immediate family. That is how we make America great again, by forcing the people that serve us to literally serve us, to make the sacrifices, to be our voices, and to applaud them for doing so as well. I mean, 174000 a year isn't too bad as a salary. Look at Ocasio-Cortez. She's asking for more because it's expensive. Anyway, the bottom line is this is where we're at now. Dissenters are taken out and people that change the discourse are taken out. Censorship is top. And the first time we saw extreme censorship was with JFK Jr. And we'll get into that right after this short break. It's pretty interesting. And you can actually buy the book that I'm talking about on Amazon. I'll probably tweet out the link later. I'll see you all in just a bit. Hello, my fellow patriots. My name is Michael Flynn Jr., and I am the proud son of General Flynn. Your support of the last two years has been incredible and will never be forgotten. If you'd like to continue supporting General Flynn, you can donate to our legal defense fund. Any donation is welcome. To donate, go to www.mikeflynndefensefund.org. Thank you and God bless America. How did you become addicted? A friend? Were you at a party and someone said, hey, try this? Then you got the cold sweats and started shaking. And the more you did it, the more it didn't work. So you switched to the needle. Now you're a train wreck. Drinking, drugging, broke. Your family hates you, and you hate you. Get out of your hell on earth now. Call the Detox and Treatment Helpline today for immediate help. In many cases, your insurance may cover the costs. We can't guarantee it, but we can guarantee we have what you need to change your life for the better. Pick up your cell phone and call right now. 855-700-2978. That's 855-700-2978. Guaranteed life insurance with no medical exam. Sounds great, right? Even better, your rates will never increase and benefits will never decrease. If you're a U.S. citizen between 50 and 80, you can get life insurance guaranteed. It's not guaranteed in every state, and you may not qualify for every policy, but when you call, you'll speak with a licensed insurance company. They'll give you all the details about guaranteed life insurance. So call now, 1-800-707-1219, 1-800-707-1219. Hey, this is Leonora Cravota from Red State Talk Radio for My Pillow. I used to have trouble sleeping. My Pillow changed all that. I now fall asleep within moments of my head touching my pillow. That's how comfortable My Pillow is with its patented interlocking fill. My Pillow stays cool and does not go flat. 
Plus, it's machine washable and dryable. My Pillow has a 10-year warranty and a 60-day comfort guarantee. My Pillow is also the official pillow of the National Sleep Foundation, and it's made right here in the USA. My Pillow is now offering Red State Talk Radio listeners a four-pack special with two premium standard or queen pillows and two go-anywhere pillows. That's four pillows for the price of one. To take advantage of this special offer, call 1-800-961-9194 and ask for promo code Red State. That's one 800 Promo code Red State. Put sleepless nights behind you with my pillow, the most comfortable pillow you will ever own. For the best night's sleep in the whole wide world, visit mypillow.com. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tori Says Show. I'm your host, Tori. So today we're taking a trip down memory lane. I think it's important for people to remember where uh, in history we have seen what we're seeing unfold now in front of our eyes and how we have mitigated it. Because remember, our president, President Donald J. Trump, had the ability to learn and observe. And if I've observed these changes myself that were before my time, I never got to see Eisenhower. I never got to see JFK. And let alone, I was way too young to understand what was going on at the time of Reagan. But as an adult, or as a teen actually, I look back in history from Garfield to Lincoln to, like I said, having a cigarette and a coffee on a weekend and just browsing the Library of Congress, which by the way, I'm uber excited because I'm going to take my little girl for her birthday on a tour of the Library of Congress this year. I think it's really important that, uh, you know, we enrich our children as much as we can. And now with affordable transportation, honestly, guys, there are so many cheap flights and ways that you can plan to enrich your children to remind them of the foundations of this nation, the good and the bad together. Because like I've said, even myself, I have done some really bad things, wrong things, bad decisions that make me who I am today. And it is those bad decisions that we've made as a nation, that we've made as citizens, and that we've made as individuals that should be worn as badges because we've learned from them. And learning is key. And President Trump has learned throughout his time, has learned from those that were actually in it, have learned from those, uh, you know, that were participating, that were impacted directly. These are really important things that we need to remember. And it is our job to the future generation to show them that, to remind them what the dream was in 1776, how it evolved, how it was set back, because no plan and no success and no civilization has gone from zero to a hundred with no hiccups. It never happens zero to a hundred and justice always comes in on a donkey and prosperity takes time, trial and error. And there's always going to be the evil spiritual attacks because remember this nation was built on the foundations of Christianity, which is a religion of love, which is a religion of compassion. And this is what we need to move forward. And many will say, well, how can you speak of compassion when you want the borders closed? Because they are not coming in seeking compassion. They are coming in to infiltrate and destroy from within. That was a plan. That was the plan. They say it themselves. We have them pandering the rhetoric, right? On the mainstream media, pandering the rhetoric. Oh my gosh, you know, all these children separate 
ready to get. Two-thirds of the families that come through are fraudulent. Families stolen kids, bought kids, borrowed kids. What is going on here? How is this okay? <laughs> We've seen this movie before, right? Um, and that's what we need to remember. This is all a show. And this is a great show because you already know who the characters are. You already know and targeted them. You already know their weapons and MOs. And this time you can use it. See, Reagan thought, to be honest with you, Nixon actually thought that he could kind of take that JFK momentum and put it forward. He couldn't. You know, the central agency would not allow him. No, 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 sir. Who do you think you are? Yes, you're president, but you don't have power. Educated him. Reagan came in totally, you know, innocent, totally believing in the American dream since he succeeded in being elected, but they let him get elected. Remember, JFK even said they don't allow elections. They subvert. He said that. JFK said that. It's 2019. Same thing. You know, President Trump, when he says his things, we need someone to put video side by side of all these presidents from the days of yore that said the same thing to show the people that this isn't the first time it's happening. The media is just not telling you about it. But then again, who has the amplifier, the insane left driving for socialism? That is the problem. This is where we have the problem that they have the megaphone. They own the media. They tell you how to think. And that is the problem. Mm. So this is where I come in with JFK Jr. So what did JFK Jr. decide to do and shock the world? Well, I thought I'd go into like a magazine thing and it's George and, uh, you know, it really just talks about politics, but more in a, you know, uh, paparazzi type way, bringing out their dirty laundry. And it was a very interesting interview that he brought up. Hold on. Let me play this clip for you so you can take a listen to him. Let's go. It's not want to play. I'm not getting a play here. Gosh darn it. Mm. Okay, maybe that works. Okay, let's see. Nope, that one. Yep, it's not wanting to play for me right now. So I will find it elsewhere and play it for you, but I'll probably have to skip around because I have it on a forum board that is not Cloudfare sourced because sometimes you have to hide such videos because they make sure they go away pretty quick. So um, I am going to play the part where he discusses what his, hold on, what his whole um, idea about it is. Let me get that in there. Let me see. Here we go. Also just published the George Magazine book of political lists from the editors of George and is compiled by Blake Eskin. Is that the way you pronounce that? Yes. Anyway, good morning, Mr. Kennedy. Good morning, Mr. Imus. How are you? I'm very well. Thanks for having me on your show this morning. You're quite welcome. Welcome back to the program. Thank uh, you. Is, is Esther Newberg your, your uh, literary agent or no? She is my literary agent. Oh, she is? Literary. Okay. In quotes, but she is. Because she called me about the George book. Mm. Um, she also represents me and many other far more successful writers, however. <laughs> she called me and hyped this and i was very skeptical so, well uh, but it's and very now, after you've read it it's very entertaining <laughs> thank you well and it's it's amusing yeah but publishers weekly describes it as as a crucial resource for jeopardy contestants and beltway nerds how do, how do you see it well i mean i i think people like uh 
lists and they like trivia and they like reading about sort of information nuggets that uh, that are ironic or about things that they didn't know about. And so we we took that tried and true idea and applied it to politics. Uh, so it's a it's a nice little book. I think it's a good information resource, the kind of thing where you can you can open it at any page and read something that you didn't know. And in that uh, respect, it advances the sort of broader mission of the magazine, which is to make politics interesting and accessible and hopefully entertaining. What? How dare he? Try to make politics accessible and entertaining. This is a time of the Clinton scandal, which they discuss saying, well, we're not looking for stuff or whatever, which I'm telling you wasn't just affairs. It was actually rape. Hence why he went down and was impeached in the end. But this is a time where scandals were happening, where they were filling up prisons, where all these deals were going down, where the uranium started to talk, where, where, where the Democrats were being accused of getting money from China and hence being influenced to give them satellite technology. Guys, this has been going on for forever. That the Democratic Party is receiving money in exchange for favors. One is uranium, the other one is satellite tech. I mean, Hillary Clinton gave access to the Chinese. Why? For money, money, money. This is how Diane Feinstein, for over 20 years, obviously from the time of the satellite sellings, had a spy as her driver and no one said a word. This has been ongoing. And the thing is, it's not the Democrats themselves, guys. It is this machine, this corrupt machine that Eisenhower, the JFK, that Senator Robert Kennedy spoke about, that Reagan spoke spoke about, that President Trump is speaking about, and that I am speaking about, and that everyone is speaking about, that Q is speaking about, that you don't seem to understand. They are a well-oiled machine. The central agency, from the minute it was implemented, it was done. That was their organizational structure. That was their gold. And, and, and the way they did it was through censorship, through media manipulation, and access to information which now is at a tipping point because they've given so much. How do they reel it back? By what? Censorship. So here is where we're at in 2019, censorship. We are at a tipping point. And like President Reagan said about his presidency, it wasn't just a movement about America and reminding us and reinvigorating that American spirit. It was a global movement. And what do we see around the world? Everyone loves our president. Everyone loves our movement. And everyone is envious that we have a man like that going to bat for us a man that stands tall a man that is fearless and a man that has no qualms in telling people what he thinks and how he's going to fix it now now blake uh eskin yes apparently an editor there yeah well he's a he's not well let me skip forward on this part so blake eskin just so you guys know is a very liberal writer he teaches at some university uh he actually compiled this book he wasn't an editor and that's what uh robert uh that's what jfk jr is saying in this interview um and that um basically he just compiled this information he was at the age of 17 was able to participate in this and his thank you is pushing for the dsa pretty incredible right Thank you. Uh, when you write a book, uh, I don't think there's uh, needless scandals that didn't end political careers. Yes. Let me read you the Ted Kennedy entry. In July 1969, well, that's in your book. No, I'm familiar with this. Okay. In July 1969, Kennedy was intoxicated when he drove his car over the bridge linking Martha's Vineyard to Chappaquiddick Island. The senator survived, but his companion, Mary Jo Kopechny, drowned. Although Kennedy says he tried to save her, he did not report the incident for 10 hours. He pleaded guilty to leaving the scene of an accident. 
though he has held on to his Senate seat, his presidential aspirations were dashed at Chappaquiddick. Mm. That doesn't sound to me like it came out of his press office. No, uh, probably not. I mean, is that, is that too harsh or not? I mean, I think it's factually correct. Did you hear that? So he wrote about a Kennedy, a relative, that pretty much, like he said, uh, like I said, ended his career pretty much. And that, um, you know, uh, was it too harsh? And he said, no, it's factually correct. Factually correct. Now, I have a copy of that book. I actually ordered another copy because um, mine was very old and I got it on Amazon uh, for actually quite cheap. It's $10. It's George's List. I mean, you can look up uh, Blake um, Eske, the... Um, uh, the compiler, I guess, because he got rights to it, I guess. And it's called George's List. Guys, there's information in there about everybody and everyone. And it stops at Clinton, obviously, because that is when, uh, you know, we no longer had JFK Jr. So take a listen to the Kissinger stuff here. But anyway, you were you were talking about a scandal list. Uh, well, let's go back. to But this is fine with the Henry Kissinger list. Or I love that list. Go- 32 minutes past the hour, and we're talking with John Kennedy Jr. about the uh, George Book of Lists. Well, now there is another entry here about uh, the Bill Clinton. Let me, and I, here's what I'm curious about. Are you going to ask me about the women who dated Henry Kissinger list? Or I love that list. That's to- a great list. You want, what? And before we get to that, I want you guys to pay attention to the stuff they say about Kissinger in these t- quick two minutes. Because, again, what have I said about history repeating itself? So, um, I want you to pay attention before I play. I'm going to tell you what I want you to listen for. So first of all, Kissinger has his own Stormy Daniels affair with a porn star. First. Second, um, tarmac meeting. He had a tarmac meeting uh, with a Russian asset. And there is actually a Harvard paper talking about the tarmac meeting between Henry Kiss- Kissinger and um, uh, the Soviet um, gentleman. So I, I would love you guys to just pay attention to that because this tells you why he was a target. One will say, well, he wasn't in politics. He wasn't running. He said he wasn't going to run. Why? This is why. What page is that? And we can do that. We'll go to back. No. To, we'll come back to Bill Clinton. 316. He said, I go out with actresses because I'm not apt to marry one. And he had quite a formidable cast here. But anyway, you were, you were talking about a scandal list. Uh, well, let's go back to But this is fine with the Henry Kissinger. <laughs> Candace Bergen, Judy Brown, star apparently of an X-rated film. Did you know that, Charles? No, I did not. I didn't know that. Huh. Uh, Lana Edmond, who was a Hollywood stunt woman. Hmm. How do we know about the, how do we know about all of this? I wonder. You guys must have researched this, right? We did. We uh, well, I mean, he was pretty. Didn't he meet uh, Brezhnev on the tarmac with Jill St. John? I mean, he wasn't. Oh, well, that's right. Yeah. Exactly a, a wilting flower. When it- do you know what Kissinger did? Hear this out, right? This is what Henry Kissinger did. He took a plane from the Pakistani prime minister, borrowed it, flew to China, got off on the tarmac and had a conversation with a Soviet asset. Get it? This is a type of politics that happened, but we would not know about because we didn't have access to the information. It is imperative that we understand that there have been so many people throughout our history that have fought For the right of just their neighbor, the right of just their community, just their city, of this nation, but in general, humankind. I want you to look back whenever you have time and listen to speeches by JFK. He uses the same verbiage I do, which is humans. It is very important that I point that out without elaborating further on that. 
humans, humankind. And that is important as human beings, as humans ourselves, what we allow to pursue in our civilization, how we perceive it, how we look forward and how it uh, unfolds in front of us. And we can realize very easily those that fight for humans, you can see them. They're the ones that come up bashed up with swollen eyes and lawsuits that bury them 20,000 feet under. I mean, the president tweeted out yesterday, the attorney general of New York is making it suffocating. They are probing me in every shape or form, throwing lawsuits and investigations and secret subpoenas to find something. Guys, I'm under the same thing. No joke. I've had a colonoscopy, still haven't found anything, but yeah, you know trying to drain you money-wise, trying to embarrass you. Why? Because you're a dissenter. You speak up. You point it out. This is how you know who is fighting for humans, for the humankind, for our nation, for liberty, and for freedom. It is those that are being attacked the most. Remember, and I said it at the beginning of the show, and those of you in the end, they use the same methods. This has happened through time. Through time, special counsels, crazy lawsuits, all civil, but they claim crimes, which is like, hey, if it's a crime, then just do it in criminal. Um, Yeah, no, because we don't have anything. We're just saying it. So we're going to use the civil route. That's how it goes. How else? Milkshake wars. They did that. The Democrats would throw milkshakes at black, white, polka dot people that were what? Trying to defend civil rights of human beings. Human beings. Believe it or not, it's 2019 and animals have more rights than humans right now now and that is true they have more rights (laughs) and they are more sanctioned take a listen to other things they say in this conversation so you can understand what happened (laughs) they went out with diane sawyer one would ask who who hasn't so (laughs) diane sawyer's a slut (laughs) that's awesome marlo thomas stuff well here's the one with bill uh with uh, bill kennedy what i what's this i'm wondering about see and uh In January, page 277. Okay. In, uh, and this is still under uh, sex scandals that didn't end political careers. In uh, January 1992, Jennifer Flowers, a sometime lounge singer, told a supermarket tabloid about a 12-year affair she supposedly had with Clinton, the leading contender for the Democratic presidential nomination. Clinton weathered the scandal and was elected in 1992 with the help of female voters. Mm-hmm. Another former... Uh, is that misspelled there, Charlie? It's a, just a typo. Oh, God. Where? Ar- Another former. Arkansas State employee. <laughs> but it's, That's okay. But there's a, there's a, it's a missing S. Okay, it's a missing All S. All right. Uh, Paula Jones has since accused Clinton of sexual harassment and sued him for violating the constitutional rights, yada, yada, yada. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and he's accused of reportedly having an affair with Monica Lewinsky, mm-hmm. a former White House intern. And my question is, how do we know that? Wonder how do we know that this is not going to? Because we're sitting here, even though we sort of like him, we're sitting here praying. It's we're looking for more evidence and stuff. How do we know it's not going to end his political career? It did end his political career, and he's known as the impeached horn dog in the Oval Office. But here's a little clip that I wanted to play by everybody. You know, <laughs> like they made fun of him on a news hour with Jim Lehrer. So, but now we have Johnny Chung apparently handing a, the president a bag full of money, and uh, we don't exactly have that. Aspect of it, but, but I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I was wondering when I was here listening to the show this morning how you actually tell. Um, you know, they're calling for investigations to discover how the connection between whether or not the money given by the Chinese government to the Democrats uh, affected the U.S. decision to sell satellite technology 
to China. And I wonder. Huh? Did you guys remember that? This is a trip down memory lane. Because like I've said before, everything, everything happens again and again. It's a di- So at that time, it was satellite technology. Then it was microchips. Then it was sectors of the internet. Then it was uranium. Then it was oil. Then it was manufacturing businesses. Then, 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 then. The bottom line is they sell us out. They sell out our security. They sell out everything for the na- in the name of what? This global power, this global global order but here is a clip and i'm trying to get it up gosh darn it it has to get up of um jfk jr in italy take a listen to this we were here to see the codex and we're here to meet some of our uh the advertisers in george magazine to learn a little bit about uh, the italian market um and Meet some old friends and meet some new ones. You got to politics? I'm gonna restart that. We were here to see the codex. Uh. We were here to see the Codex. Do you know what the Codex is? So the Codex is Leonardo da Vinci's uh, writings. It was actually bought in 1994 by Bill Gates. It's one of the most expensive books. He bought it for like a little over 30 million in 1994. And for the first time after 22 years, because in 1995, it was displayed in Venice, Italy. And that is where uh, JFK Jr. went. Now this book, this specific book, has all the scientific writings, sketches, anatomical sketches, and what one would say is the apocrypha, the hidden science uh, in there. And so uh, JFK Jr. had flown to Italy. Um, he used to be really good friends with Valentino, uh, was staying at his place, actually. And, um, you know, he was he was in Rome. And guys, I was actually in Rome uh, that um, July, too. So it was pretty it's pretty cool to see how. Um, how history, how, how I was in a place of history because when I saw him, you know, going by the Fontana, you know, with a bunch of press, tons of paparazzi running around, you know, I remember thinking, oh, you know, uh, he's, he, who's he? Oh, he's a publisher. He's John F. Kennedy's, uh, you know, son. And I'm like, okay, big deal. Why are people chasing him? You know, he's just the son. For me, I was never an armored by names and titles ever. It means nothing to me. What an armors me is what you do your actions and how you do things and the one thing that uh, he went to see is the codex and uh, I actually uh, was able to see it in Venice too and it is something that someone that loves technology uh, would appreciate because it has the secret technology the secret anatomical sketches um, a machinery that you've never thought existed and again in 2017 it was showcased in um, Rome again after 20 in Italy again after 22 years and like I said Bill Gates owns it so it was very strange that he went to see it and he had a private viewing session to be able to see it at the air quote museum uh, where they were actually giving copies of it so it was um, it was a very interesting find to see that I found evidence because I remember that he was there too I remember uh, the crowds and you know at that time I didn't know that I was um, pretty much um, watching history unfold kind of like many of us today aren't realizing that history is unfolding before our eyes and we're taking it for granted. Uh, 
this show is pretty much done. I don't know how two hours flew by, but what I can say is I hope that this trip down memory lane today, because domestically we don't have to say a lot now in the evening and tomorrow, it's going to be crazy explosive around the world. We're going to have a lot of developments. So this is why it's really important that I remind people that the past always proves the future. And for people seeking proof, I mean, just look back in history. Look back into what is left and allowed for you to see, to notice that it's all been done before. It's all happened before. And the only way that you can arm yourself is with knowledge of the apocryph, or one would say the mysterious uh, old sciences uh, that have been carefully documented and kept. So I found it really interesting that when um, JFK Jr. embarked in a citizen journalist way of making politics more approachable and bringing people into the political scene to give a voice back to the people and have them involved rather than be apathetic and removed from the whole scenario. He also traveled the world to see or seek answers in ancient texts that we forget because, again, history, the past, basically, always proves the future. And your present and your position today in your personal community, social, whatever, and your country's status and the world in general, you can see today. You can make sense of today because it is step by step from yesterday and the day before the outcomes of the days of yesteryear is today. And the future can only be seen by the yielding results of the past that are similar to this. So remember, when you hear the mainstream media and their fake news, remember, JFK said it, Eisenhower said it, Reagan said it. Reagan was a little bit more subtle, though. JFK was a little bit more blatant and even said how they cover up crimes for others. On that note, I want to wish you all a wonderful evening. Remember, look at history. If something seems familiar, it is familiar. Milkshakes were that of a weapon of the Democrats to attack those for civil rights. Right? Mainstream media was always used to attack great presidents. Right? Right. From all of us here at Red State, God bless. See you all tomorrow.